The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While still more people gathered in the crowd, Jesus said to them, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. At the judgment, the Queen of the South will rise with the men of this generation and she will condemn them because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And there is something greater than Solomon here. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will arise with this generation and condemn it. Because of the preaching of Jonah, they repented. And there is something greater than Jonah here. The Gospel of the Lord. We have in our readings today, on the one hand, an instance of the miraculous character of grace, and on the other, the curious ability of the human heart to close itself off to that same miraculous character. Our first reading from chapter 3 of the book of Jonah has the reluctant prophet finally arriving in the great city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the ancient Assyrian Empire, a people proverbial across the Middle East for their ruthlessness. And so this nation is the nation that is a threat to all of the others. The people that cruelly enslaved and conquered other people. In fact, the, the, ten, the famous ten lost tribes of Israel is because of the Assyrians. And so this is the city to which the prophet is sent to the capital of that kingdom famed for its wickedness and its violence. And he goes to this people, harsh, cruel, unyielding. And he begins to move through the great city, simply announcing 40 days, and that's all you have. 40 days and all of this will come to nothing. And there is nothing about this, a lonely foreigner moving through the, sea, the streets of this great city that gives us any reason to believe his word will be accepted, that there will be a response, that it will be effective in any way, or that he would even survive the journey across the city. And yet this odd scene, of the lonely foreigner moving with such a curious boldness through this city, the house of the enemy. And 
announcing this unappealing message, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Curiously, there's a response. Curiously, this bold word from an unlikely source strikes into the heart of those who hear it in such a way that they begin to respond. It provokes a reaction within them. And we see here as well something vitally important. The Lord sends the messenger at the time when the message can be effective. The timing of this is this is the moment where it is possible that a hearing can happen. And so the prophet speaks. Note how Lent begins for us, another 40 days. Not 40 days where we worry about our destruction waiting for us on the back end. But note how Lent begins with that call from Scripture that says, today is the acceptable day, the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. In other words, do something. Something dealing with the conversion of your heart. And so it is here. And again, we say, why would the Lord send the prophet to this people? They're not Israel. Technically, they're not his people. And yet we see the Lord doesn't send the prophet because he wants to destroy the city. He sends the prophet precisely because he doesn't. And so note, the prophet goes with the word of warning, but the warning is at the service of the reconciliation and the repentance. The Lord isn't sending the prophet because he is looking to destroy the people. Even this proverbially wicked and violent people that, from an Israelite's perspective, is not his. How remarkable this is. And so it is that in this people, so given over to violence, there's a reaction that is now equally strong in the direction of repentance. It's ridiculously strong in terms of a reaction. One of the remarkable characteristics of the book of Jonah is its use of humor. And there are some fantastically ridiculous elements in the book, which requires you to actually have a sense of humor while you read it, or you'll miss the point. And so note the reaction of the people of Nineveh. They immediately, ridiculously begin to respond, every one of them. And word gets to the king itself before the prophet even completes his journey, and as soon as it arrives in the throne room, the king begins issuing orders. And what does he do? He orders that all of the people of the city must fast, and their animals too. And so the cows must fast, and the sheep must fast. Note how over the top this is. 
Not just us, but everything connected to us, all living things must respond. And the king goes further. And everyone in the city must clothe themselves in sackcloth and put ashes on their heads. These are the traditional gestures in the ancient world of repentance. And not just the people, but the animals too. And so the cows must be clothed in sackcloth and the sheep. And the cows must have ashes on their heads and the sheep. Note how gloriously ridiculous this is. And the people must turn to heaven and cry out in sorrow, and the, the cows must likely move their repentance toward heaven too. And the sheep must bleat out their sorrow alongside our own, or better, perhaps, is we will cry out in our sorrow alongside the mooing of our cows and the bleeding of our sheep. And we're all going to be in sackcloth, and we're all going to have ashes on our heads. And you have, we have to pause and chuckle a little bit about that, this obviously ridiculous image, which is there for a reason. And it's not for us to say, look at how silly they are. It is to say, look at how complete the response is. Ridiculously complete. Foolishly complete. A response to the word of the Lord that is as generous and abundant as in the beginning of the book of Jonah, Jonah's was reluctant. The prophet does not want to go on this mission, and yet those to whom he is sent respond to the call of God much more fully, much more effectively, much more strongly than he did. And so it is, and note, note the point of the order, this sense of hope, who knows? Perhaps the Lord will hear us and relent. He's asking us to do something. Let's do it. And give him a chance to change his mind. And we see at the end of the first reading that that is exactly what happens. The Lord relents. He does not destroy this people. But that was the point of sending the messenger in the first place. The Lord is not interested in the destruction of the sinner. He's interested in bringing him to life. And so it's in this context now that Jesus is looking out at his own people. Jesus, unlike Jonah, who is not a reluctant prophet. Jesus, unlike Jonah, who willingly steps out of the glory of heaven into the weakness and the fragility of this sin-fallen, violent world. He who is innocent, standing among the wicked and the guilty. And looking at his own people, 
that people that proudly styles itself the people of God. He has stinging words for them. And he says, this generation is a wicked generation in search of signs. In other words, it is turning to God and saying, unless you show me something, I'm not going to move. Prove it to me. To the same God who brought them out of slavery in Egypt. To the same God who across the centuries, time and time again, has proven himself. And what does the heart of this people continue to say? Oh, you've got to show me. If you want me to follow you, give me a reason. Jesus says, let's take a hard look at that. Because Jonah, who didn't even want the job, went to Nineveh and had to be coerced into giving his message. And so walking a frightened man through these streets with that bold, harsh word, he worked no sign, and yet there was a response. <laughs> Jesus says, that's the only sign you're going to get. The sign you're going to get is the one from outside who has come to you, who has called you to change and repent, and whose word is effective and who has come not because the Lord wants to condemn, but because he wants to save. In the other Gospels, this statement of Jesus of the sign of Jonah is connected to Jonah being swallowed by the fish and three days later coming out. It's a sign of the resurrection. But here in St. Luke's Gospel, when we have this statement by Jesus, it is clearly in the setting of the response of the people of Nineveh to the call of the prophetic word of that one from outside, sent by God. So the Lord looks at them and says, you style yourselves good. You style yourselves faithful. You look at those who are obviously wicked and congratulate yourselves for not being that bad and assume you're okay. How remarkable, then, that the truly wicked, on hearing the word, responded. And you don't. And then he goes further, and he says, but I'm not Jonah. I have a greater word, and I am a greater messenger, because I myself am the message. They responded to a guy who didn't even want to be there. And I've stepped out of heaven for you. And you don't move. What a remarkable statement this is. He connects it as well to the famous visit that the Queen of Sheba pays to King Solomon because she heard of his wisdom. And so she needed to move and visit and experience that wisdom when so many who live near it couldn't be bothered to move and to know it. And so the Lord says, 
at the end of all things, the time of the judgment, it won't even necessarily be me condemning you. It'll be those wicked from Nineveh, Nineveh who will rise. And they'll say, as hard and dark as our, and disordered as our hearts were, when we heard heaven call, we moved. Why didn't you? And the queen of the south will rise, and she will look at you, and she will say, when I heard of the wisdom of Solomon, I left my land and I sought him out. How is it that you did not move? What are you waiting for? What are you looking for? Because here is one who is wiser than Solomon could have ever hoped to be. Here is one who brings a word of repentance mightier than anything Jonah ever pronounced. You have been visited by greatness, and you have not moved. What a challenging line that is. And note how the church includes it during these 40 days, this holy season of Lent, by which we spur ourselves to movement. And one of the elements of that movement toward the grace of Easter is being clear in our hearts, what am I waiting for? What am I looking for? We often settle for less and mistake it for greater. We seek out lesser wisdom and leave greater wisdom aside. This is the frustration of the Lord. It's the ongoing frustration of God with his people. I give you the very best, and you set it aside for something that's less. You follow false gods. You follow earthly pleasures. You follow that which can't sustain you. And I have so much greater for you, if you would but move and stretch out your hands to it. Note how important that is. And so for us here in this place today, it is simply good to remind ourselves that when we sense the nearness of the Lord, it's important to respond. And that what we do over these weeks of Lent is to work on freeing our hearts to more fully respond to Him. And we'll begin by practicing that in just a couple minutes. Because this same Lord who is greater than Solomon, this same Jesus who is greater than Jonah, is going to be right here. And note what we do. We literally get up and we move toward him. And that is not merely a practical gesture of, well, we have to do that to receive communion. Symbolically, that is important because it says, we will move because you are here. And our movement is not away from you. Our movement is toward you. And when we stretch out our hands today, we stretch out our hands to that one who is greater than Solomon, that one who is greater than Jonah. And we don't have to say with the king of Nineveh, 
Who knows, maybe God will relent, because he has. All we need to do is come forward and stretch out our hands to receive that glorious fullness of grace and communion. What a great gift that is. Amen.